happening this is the pyrolite fantasy football podcast episode 70 folks i am pyromaniac mo you can follow me on twitter all letters p-y-r-o-m-a-n-i-a-c-m-o of course you can follow the regular crew from pyro on twitter it's at p-y-r-o-m-a-n the number one a-c the intro music today was from a band called cake the song short skirt and a long jacket just like i want my women and coming from the album Comfort Eagle. Stay tuned. You can hear the song in its entirety at the end. We are here once again with a crowd favorite, a pyro favorite, a favorite of mine, Dave T. Thomas. You can hear him on Scouts Honor Podcast with Paul Crane. He is the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, NFL Scout and Talent Evaluator for over 50 years. Sir, Mr. Dave T. Thomas, how are you? Hey, big guy. How are you doing out there? This is my favorite time in the season because you know what it is. My head starts spinning like Linda Blair. There's so many bowl games, so many players to watch. Well, goodness gracious, Dave. Well, we, I tried to get this in with you, and you sent me your schedule. You are a busy man this time of year. What's your What's your itinerary like right now? Well, I did skip a game uh, today for the simple reason I just got back in from Idaho, and you know what they say when you come back from Idaho, you need at least 24 hours to defrost. Uh, my next my me- uh, next bowl stop will be back in my favorite city, New York, and in my favorite stadium, sitting in Yankee Stadium for the Pinstripe Bowl. A little disappointed there because I was hoping to see uh, uh, George Willis, the Miami's uh, vastly underrated defensive lineman, go in a game against that monster Wisconsin offensive line, but he'll be out uh, for this game. The injuries were too much for him to get back into a uniform. 
Well, we were talking a little bit beforehand. Now, you know what? First off, if you are just joining Pyro or if you haven't heard me talk with uh, Dave T, I've done quite a few shows with him. Tell the folks who have not had the privilege of hearing your profound insight and colorful colloquialisms, uh, tell them how you get started in the NFL scouting business. Well, age 13, my Uncle Marty, who was a basketball scout, took me out to see his good friend out in Thousand Oaks, California, and that was Al Davis. I'm sitting in the scouting room, and his scouts are pulling up newspapers, and I'm laughing because I know my uncle was so heavy with detail, and I helped him with that ever since I was four or five years old. Al tells me, he says, you think you could do a better job showing me? So now, mind you, not even the Commodore 64 was out at that time. So it was a handwritten report. I showed up the next year with a 4,000-page report. The rest was history. Team started signing up on my reports. You see, I go about it a different way. I'm not going to be out there being a draft analyst. I'm going to give the teams the information. I'm going to be Dr. Watson and let the general managers, the scouting directors, end up playing Sherlock Holmes. They could take all the credit they want, just as long as I'm going to the bank every Monday with a check in my hand. I'm a happy, happy boy. Well, Dave, Pyromaniacs should send you a few checks because I tell you what, you had some some pretty good picks at the beginning of last season. Uh, Will Disley, you talked about, and of course, I think the, the out of the park home run was Phil Lindsay. I did a show with you. I'm not kidding. It was right after the draft. And you talked about Phil Lindsay then. I went and looked on Rotowire. He was, I think, the sit buried on the depth chart. I think he was the sixth Denver running back on the depth chart. All preseason, everyone's talking about Royce Freeman. And I hear one guy, I think it was week one, uh, Terrell Owens talked about it on NFL. And I've heard other guys refer, oh, Terrell Owens talked about this guy in Denver the first week of the NFL. And I kind of chuckle because you were talking about it months before that so um we we thank you for some of your picks you were right about phil Lindsay. well folks listen to me now he might not be drafted but that maryland terrapin little speedster who was banged up most of the year ty johnson could be this year's phil Lindsay could be two years ago alvin kamara do i see him drafted possibly in day three but this is a guy when you got 427 speed a great this is a guy that averaged forty point one yards per touchdown during his career on nineteen touchdowns. When you get that much real estate out there, I want to see that guy in training camp. I'm writing it down. Pyromaniacs, grab a pen now because we are talking about of course, we're, we we do fantasy, and I am no draft Nick. I watch my my Notre Dame players. Uh, that's it. I leave the, the draft reports to the experts, to the, the scouts like you. So uh, I feel like I'm grabbing a pen. I'm writing all this stuff down as well. We're talking about upcoming guys we're going to see in bowl games this year in the next couple weeks that we are going to want to draft or at least be on the lookout for when the fantasy draft rolls around in 2019. Now, before we start talking about some of these players we're going to see in the upcoming 2018 bowl games, uh, there's a couple guys, you were, uh, you know, prima donnas, a couple of these boys that we won't see. We mentioned before we went on the air, Greer and Jennings and Harmon, uh, Bryce Love, to name a few. But w what's the deal with some of these guys opting out of the bowl games, and how do you feel about that? 
I hate it. You know why? Because if I'm a general manager right now, I'm seeing a guy that's saying, well, I want to prepare for the combines. Uh, well, I don't want to get hurt. Well, son, you're going to play a 16-game schedule for me. You're going to tell me you don't want to get hurt. You're not going to come out of the locker room. Me, I pull out my old cattle brand, and I put a big Q on each one of their far, uh, fireheads for quit. Not only that, look at what's going to go on in these bowl games. I mean, we're definitely going to have to need a running back predominant. Uh, you look at some of the receivers that are not going to be North Carolina State's Kelvin Harmon. Uh, Nikhil Harry uh, from Arizona State wasn't in the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, you got running back Karan Higdon with Michigan decided to skip the Peach Bowl. Uh, Justice Hill, the running back from Oklahoma State, didn't show up for the Liberty Bowl. Gary Jennings and Will Greer from West Virginia are going to be in the Camping World Bowl, leaving only David Sills there. But if they got Venus to Miles at quarterback, how the hell is he going to get the ball in his hands? Uh, you turn around and you're seeing this culture which is bad there is a solution to this if i'm recruiting a guy and he's going to play for me and expecting that my team is going to have a winning record to go to a bowl game here's what they do when they sign that letter of intent when they enroll in a school i must play the entire season till the season is over with plus any postseason bowl game or i not only must forfeit my scholarship i must pay back my scholarship for that year Watch how many of these guys are still out there in January with the uniforms on. Well, a few other, I think we didn't, you mentioned earlier, but before we were on, but no Fant, the tight end. We've got uh, Ryan Finley, Bryce Love, Ed Oliver, Dable Samuel. Quite a few guys opting, I guess, to, to not get hurt. And I guess the way they see it is what? They're going to make money and they want to be in top physical performance. But to you, they're letting the fans down and they're really hurting their career because they're not showing their stuff. Am I right? Well, actually, I'm really glad that Noah Frank didn't show up in the game for the simple reason. To me, he's not the mourner in Jimmy Graham. Meanwhile, the best tight end in college football, TJ Hawkinson, will now get more touches out there. He's the most complete tight end that you will see. By having Bryce Love not showing up, hey, we're going to see and highlight another vastly underrated tight end out at Stanford and Caden Smith. As far as I'm concerned, the next Megatron is the wide receiver out there, the former basketball player, six foot six, 240-pound J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. K.J. Costello, the quarterback, has two weaponries for him to go deep. He doesn't have anything in his backfield, but Bryce Love deciding to sit out. I don't want to be a low-flying pigeon when the Stanford offense steps on that football field. <laughs> All right, well, so it's going to open up opportunities for some of the other guys then, right? Well, that's what the way I look at it. And also, too, I go back and I look at some of the smaller bowl games. Understand one thing, Mo. When I talk about a Lindsay and everything, I'm a scout. A scout does not sit out there and say, okay, here's a one, two, and three. I'm looking for the death villains. I'm looking for the guys who have potential. I'm looking for that raw talent that's going to develop down the road. I'm a day three guy. I'm a, I'm a free agent type of guy. These are the guys that i much rather be sitting down and talking to about. Hey, you go and look at the Buffalo Troy game in the Dollar General Bowl. You're going to see an outstanding receiver in Anthony Johnson out there. 25 touchdown catches in the last two years. He's six foot five, 225 pounds, and he's averaging 18 yards a catch. And folks, look at what's on the sidelines too. Jim Leopold, the Buffalo uh, head coach. I'm seeing this guy one day running Notre Dame. As far right. as I'm concerned, he's he right now, as far as I'm concerned, he did the best coaching job in football last year. Pro, college, high school, anything. Leopold did it with Buffalo. Hmm. 
All right. Well, fans of Pyro and Fantasy, we've got all this to look forward to and more. We're going to talk quarterback perspectives for NFL fantasy players next season that we're going to see in the bowl. We're going to talk a few running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, all of that and more. Go grab a brew and a pen and paper. We're going to be right back with NFL scout Dave T. Thomas. All right, gang. Thanks for sticking with us. As I said, we've got Dave T. Thomas, NFL scout talent evaluator, cut his chops in Oakland way back when and still doing it to this day. Dave, we at Pyro love you. I can't tell you all the requests I get to hear more from you. So uh, thanks for sitting down with us again. I know it's a busy season for you. Let's talk quarterbacks. Now, most analysts, they seem to be in love with uh, Herbert from Oregon or Locke from Missouri. Who's your stud muffin? Oh, my stud muffin right now, probably wearing a New York Giant uniform in round two, will either be a kid from Columbus, Ohio, or somebody that has a little blue devil in him. I really like Daniel Jones a lot, but I think that Dwayne Haskins is probably the most NFL-ready quarterback right now. I'm not drinking the bug juice up at Oregon. If that kid goes back to school, if Herbert goes back to school, God bless, because all I see is nothing more than a Joey Harrington in him. Drew Locke at Missouri, oh, forget about it, man. We're talking about Blaine Gabbard's clone. That's what you're going to get with him. You go down and look at North Carolina State. They already talked about Ryan Finley before the season. I thought I was going to have to genuflect any time I watched the game. Well, the only time I bowed right now was to duck because of some of the big hits that he took. You go down and look at Jared Sidham with uh, Auburn. My God, you talk about a guy that had a herky-jerky year. Round two is where the good quarterbacks are going to go. The Joneses, the Haskins, Will Greer. However, when I'm coming up on day three of the draft, I'm looking at a Rich Gannon clone up at North Dakota State right now. And folks, watch the FCS championship game. The kid's name is Easton Stick. He actually replaced Carson Wentz during his freshman year when Carson was having his original back injury. This kid could run with the ball. He could throw with the ball. This is an outstanding quarterback. My sleeper at the end of day three is the guy who's going to end up replacing Drew Brees one uh, one year. And that's the kid down at the, with the Nittany Lions, Trace McSorley. Don't doubt this kid's size. He had a knee injury early in the season this year. This kid has, has uh, uh, Mayfield capabilities. Why am I saying him for New Orleans? Because it's a given. Teddy Bridgewater is going to go next year on the free agent market and sign with the quarterback whisperer. And that's down at South Beach. He's going to end up in a Miami Dolphin uniform. Tyrod Taylor is going to lead the Cleveland Browns, and he's going to join Mr. Coughlin on the sidelines down at Jacksonville. These two moves are going to be made for the simple reason is the quarterback's coming out in this draft after what we saw him in 2018 and is nothing more than ho-hum. All right, so I'm hearing you say Ohio State Dwayne Haskins is your number one. Do you yeah. got you got Greer or Jones, Greer from West Virginia, or Daniel Jones from Duke is your number two? 
Yeah, you know, Jones still needs another year or so to okay. uh, to get into the system. Having a coach, let's say he ends up with the Giants in round two as Pat Shermer. Hell, I don't know how Eli Manning keeps on going out there. He must have dirty pictures on the entire front office. But if they don't address their quarterback issue in round two, they're going to be in trouble. Loletta showed that he couldn't do it when he stepped in over there, and Loletta has some problems off the field. I'm very disappointed yeah. in that guy. If not, they're going to have to go ahead and pull a trade with Minnesota and bring over another Shermer protege in Kyle Slaughter. Uh, Eli's not going to last the season next year. I give him up to game four. I'm surprised he lasted this year, but yeah, some off the field issues. But a couple of the NFL guys, Kyle Lalata and uh, who was the, the kid in Denver for a while who ended up in a neighbor's, sitting in a neighbor's couch or something at three in the morning. Oh, Kelly? Yeah, well, Ke yeah. well Kelly, the, the only way that Kelly's going to end up playing is if Adam Sadler does another remake of, uh, oh, geez, what was that movie? Uh, the Longest Yacht. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll fit in on the opposing team there. Slaughter is a wild card. I know Minnesota likes him and everything, but they're about to sign Bo Levy Mitchell, who's been a two-times Canadian Football League MVP at quarterback. If they sign him, that's four heads over there. And with an $85 million quarterback, it's a waste to have Slaughter sitting on the bench. Go right now and try to get yourself a conditional draft pick for him. That's going to be more of a fodder out there. Nate Sudfeld with the Philadelphia Eagles will be a restricted free agent. If Alex Smith is deemed as not being able to come back that the injury is career uh, is going to end his career, watch Doug Williams do everything he can in the Washington front office to bring his protege back to the Redskin fold. There's going to be more moves with the veterans than you're going to be seeing with a team using a first-round draft pick on the quarterback this year. So if you have Haskins 1, Greer 2, and then Daniel Jones three. Where do you fit in Herbert and in, uh, where do you fit in Herbert? Is he number four then? Well, Herbert is a general manager's unemployment ticket waiting to happen. Okay. Uh, if he comes out, he'll definitely go top ten. He comes out, I'm telling you, point blank, that GM's out the door. And watch it be Tampa Bay because I'm telling you right now that Tampa Bay front office needs to be exploded. And. What, yeah, well, I want to get to to Winston here. But what I about can't Locke? see the Giants with a top five pick with that offensive line that they have and needing themselves a pass rusher, passing up on what Dave Gettleman, uh, Gettleman calls his big mollies. These, uh, that's what they're going to do in round one. And people are going to scream, oh, you didn't take one of the quarterbacks last year. Dude, I would not trade Saquon Barkley for any of the quarterbacks that came out in 2018. You know, when you got a franchise yeah. running back, he makes a, a good quarterback look great. What does he make Eli Manning? Mediocre, because uh, <laughs> that tells you where Eli Manning was before that a little category. All right. So what about Locke, then, the Missouri kid? Locke, to me, is just another Gabbard. He's a mechanic out there on the football field. If I blew in his left ear, I better have a cork in his right ear, because there's going to be a <laughs> lot of air coming out. <laughs> All right, so we've got Haskins, one for Dave T. Greer, and uh, Daniel Jones, uh, number three. That's Daniel Jones from Duke. Uh, interesting to uh, to watch these guys. I'm excited. I'm writing these names down because I want to do some watching, right? I want to see the Ohio State game with Haskins and Greer, West Virginia, and the Duke game. So The biggest any, game, though? 
The biggest game, if you yeah. want to watch a quarterback, is the FCS championship game. Watch North Carolina State's Eastern Stick. I am telling you, folks, you're going to see the second coming of Rich Gannon. I, you, there's not a better running quarterback in the draft than this guy. There's not a smarter quarterback in the draft than Eastern Stick. Are people going to go ahead yeah. and do the next Carson Wentz thing? Uh, no, I don't see that. Uh, simple reason is Carson Wentz's arm trumps anybody out there. But yeah. this is a kid that when you're coming up in day three, round four or so, and you end up with a quarterback that steps in by midseason, hey, that's what I'm watching for. Same thing with the wide receivers. I look at the wide receivers in this draft. Don't go on these guys early in the fantasy football draft. Look what's happened this year. Look at the yeah. guys. You know what it is? A lot of rookies are called what we call not ready for prime time. So go with these guys later on in the draft and watch the second half of the season. Hey, look at Dante Pettis. I mean, he's scoring points buku the yeah. last four or five weeks. Yeah, with what? Uh, a guy that was third string to start the season, I believe? Uh, guy, guy in August that I was puzzled was just sitting out there teetering on the edge, Robert Forster, and look what he's done up at Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Buffalo's yeah. got a guy that next year, I'm saying that he beats down St. Jones for a job. They got a kid on the practice squad, Cam Phillips right now, who under had to go his second hernia surgery. But this guy's got blazing speed, and anybody remembers his career down at Virginia Tech, this is a kid that I'm going to watch next year go ahead and be the wide receiving version of what Phil Lindsay is today. Ooh, all right. Well, I remember uh, in my dynasty leagues, right, I can pick up guys on IR right now, and I remember you talking about uh, Kane in Indy, and I went and took a risk on him, so you're, you're telling me Cam Phillips in Buffalo is a guy to take a chance on? Yeah, yeah. This this was a kid that, you know, consistent 4-3s. He got up to the combines and tore his grain and ran a 4-7, so he wasn't drafted. But these are the guys that all of a sudden come out of nowhere. Look at the Antonio Browns, the Emmanuel Sanders. These are guys that emerge. Well, Kenny, Kenny Galladay was a third-round draft pick. I don't think Detroit's yep. going to dump him out by the wayside right now. Uh, Cote nope. down at uh, Houston. you got to watch the guys. I always say the guys with sure hands and speed, they're going to make it in this league. And that's why I'm saying the wide receiver I like the best, and he probably will be the third or fourth wide receiver off the board, is the kid out of Arizona State, Harry. Arizona State, Harry. All right. Well, that is our prelude into uh, the next crop of guys we're going to be talking about, but we got to keep the lights on. We got to pay the bills. So hang with us, and we'll be right back with more NFL Scout. Dave T. Thomas talking about the guys you're going to see in the bowl games that you might want to draft in the upcoming 2019 fantasy football draft. Stay with us. All right, gang. Thanks for sticking with us. We uh, we talked wide receivers. You gave us a wide receiver right before we, we went on break here. So let's move to wide receivers. And you talked, uh, who did you bring up here? Harry? Oh, yeah, from I mean, from Arizona State. This is a big kid out there. He's got very good body control, similar to Anthony Johnson up at Buffalo. Both of these guys over here might not have the elite top-end speed, but they got the frame, the body, and they win those 50-50 ball battles downfield. That's what I like with these guys. One guy that I really like, though, I think he's going to be a free agent. It reminds me so much of Wes Walker because he's only 5'10", 175. You're not going to find a more sure-handed slot receiver than the Hawaii kid. And watch the game against Louisiana Tech this weekend. His name is John Usia. 
uh, uh, 16 touchdown catches this year, 1,343 yards. Rugged son of a gun. The thing I like about him, he's got 45 knockdown blocks downfield, and he also has potential as a punt returner. Hmm. All right, so you said easy money goes to Arizona State's Nikhil Harry, best of the bunch. What about the, the two kids from Ole Miss? They've got um, Andre Brown and DK Metcalf. Do you, do you like them both the same? Because uh, they're going back-to-back in most of the big boards I've seen. What do you oh, think one, of these two? One, two. I mean, God bless the recruiting down there on there. Metcalf, Metcalf is my going to be my top guy going off the board at the wide receiver spot. You got two guys, six foot four. Metcalf pushes two thirty. These are guys that I'm looking at there. Their physicality. You look at Megatron. However, if I want the big boy, if I want the guy that's going to be a major superstar. Stanford split end J.J. Arcega Whiteside. His mom still holds 45 women's basketball NCAA records. His father was a star basketball player over Europe. This kid actually was over in Europe, came over here on a basketball scholarship, and look what he's done with Stanford this year. Folks, watch him. Watch Caden Smith, the tight end from Stanford. These are two guys that are going to put up buku numbers as rookies now next year in the NFL. That's some good stock right there, man. 48 NCAA women's basketball records, did you say? She still holds it, and she set those records back in 85 and 88. So that tells you just wow. the mom knew how to shoot. The thing that I love about J.J., he's such a smart kid out there on the football field. He speaks six languages on top of it. He's already graduated. This is a guy that when he steps in the league, I wouldn't be surprised if someone bulks him up and turns him into a Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, I think he's a scientist, isn't he? Yes. And not only that, is he's in med school. I mean, yeah. only, I mean, I could just see him at halftime performing surgery on the sidelines. He'll go into the – at least they got the tent there so he won't get dirty. I saw him when they played uh, Notre Dame, I believe. They did a little special on him in the lab, and he was – he impressed me, man. Uh, folks, folks, watch him on the jump ball ability, and not only that, the stiff arm. He's got the second-best stiff arm I've seen this year outside of my favorite little receiver, Kenny Galladay, up with Detroit. And, oh, boy, did you see last week's game with Galladay. Did I tell you that that kid was going to come on strong? Once yeah. Jones ended up getting hurt, once Tate got it traded away, Stafford finally had to recognize what this kid could do. That's a guy next year in round one of a fantasy football draft I'm taking because something's going to happen with that offensive line. And once Kerryon Johnson comes back and they have a running unit over there, Galladay is going to be one of those elite receivers you're going to see next season. Yeah, I'm a Galladay truther. I've been going down with the ship with Galladay because the talent is just undeniable. The the team's been banged up, and uh, Stafford had – what's the matter with Stafford? Can't he remember? He used to just throw jump balls to Megatron. Let's get the same thing going with Galladay, right? Well, he's sort of acting like Curly from the Three Stooges in that backfield behind that porous offensive line. Every time yeah. he takes a snap, he's going whoop, whoop, whoop. Now, I look I look at Galladay, what Galladay could do out there. And people, if you're playing in your championship game today, Galladay will play. I just got off the phone with them earlier. Oh, all right. That's uh, good, good well, news. My, my, are... 
my agent represents him, so I wanted to double check because my eight-year-old grandson has him in his championship game today. <laughs> man, uh, I got, I got that grandpa. I got that grandpa call, man. So I had to use my uh, how could I put it? Uh, my connections to find out if he was going or not. Boy, talk about having a rigor on your team. Your eight-year-old grandson's got <laughs> you to call Kenny Galladay himself to see if he's playing. Hey, uh, I think that's thing. that's awesome. I. Well, I talked to you earlier. Gonna... You said you guys were doing well. I think that's cool you're playing with your, your grandson. I think that's what I enjoy about the fantasy football element is the younger ones that are coming in because they're, they're doing more research of the game. I mean, when I was young and my friends and everything, they were all Joe Yuchies. Oh, yeah, Homer Jones this. Oh, yeah, you know, YA Tittle that. But they really didn't know what YA Tittle was all about. The younger kids today are doing their homework. And you know what it's doing? It's building a more smarter fan base. Well, Speaking of Galladay, I believe you compared him to the other old Miss kid, Andre Brown. Yeah, yeah, I see the same thing. You know, when you get that big physical guy that could just push a cornerback off to get that rack, those are the type of receivers I look for because the whole thing of the game comes down to right now is getting the ball and moving the chains, and that's what Galladay does. That's what Brown does. Metcalf is more of the big, big deep threat type. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, this is a guy like Galladay that give me the ball and watch what I do after I have it in my hands so i got four that you're talking here is that metcalf is your one harry's two a seagull white side and then brown well i put a seagull right side as my favorite but i think in a draft they'll probably be the third or fourth going i tell you hey, one i want to know I, your favorites Oh, my, my, I, well, J.J. is definitely my favorite. Another one of my favorites is Akeem Butler over to Iowa State. I mean, this guy averaged 22.1 yards a catch this year. You you watch this kid, man, and I mean, even a blind man could see he's a highlight reel. Same thing, big target, the frame, wins the 50-50 balls, top end speed to threaten vertically. Tough to bring down in the open field. So when you got a receiver, a receiver like this and you're coming up early in day two, you're going to end up with a starter right out of the bat as a second-round draft pick. All right, so Dave T. Thomas's top five favorites. Not who's going first, top five. You got in Whiteside, you talked Metcalf, Butler, Harry, and Andre Brown. Is there any room for anyone you, else? Do you, do you want my Phil Lindsay sleeper here? Yeah. Okay, let's go to Columbus, Ohio. You see Paris Campbell. You see, uh, 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 what do you call it over there, uh, Alton Mack. My guy is the guy that stepped in when both of those guys got hurt the second half of the year. Fifth-year senior, Johnny Dixon. Watch this guy as a slot receiver. He's averaging six receptions a game in his last five games. He's uh, reached the 100-yard uh, level four times. This is a guy that when they go in the bowl game, watch him and Haskins. Watch how they operate. The thing I like about Dixon is once he gets behind the cornerback, there's no recovery burst that cornerback could have to get back into the action on Dixon. All right. I love it. It's going to be a, a good year, wide receiver. I mean, there's – Yeah, yeah but you know board. what it's going to be, Mo? It's going to be uh, come back on Friday. If you're looking to see who gets drafted as a wide receiver on Thursday at a draft year, I doubt if you're going to see anything more than Metcalf and possibly Arcega Whiteside going in round one. Even though Brown has the round one ability – I think he's the type that because he's going to come in maybe about four, five, four, six with the speed, 
you've got to understand one thing, guys. This is a draft that's predicated on one thing, the defensive line. If there's 13 defensive linemen in the top 20 picks, I would not be surprised. Okay. And you didn't think – you think a couple wide receivers are going to go, but you don't have a running back going in the first round, do you? Oh, God, no. I mean, we're going to get held back to the Bishop Sankey year when uh, he was a top running back and going in round two. I, I oh, was never convinced that Bryce Love was the type of guy that I would sit out there and like anyway. I mean, it's going to be more so you're going to find your running backs later on in the draft. All right. Well, that's the transition. Let's uh, pause momentarily, and then we're going to be back to talk running backs and tight ends with NFL scout Dave T. Thomas, hang tight. All right, Pyromaniacs, thanks for sticking with us. We are Pyromaniac. We are the only fantasy football company with soul. This is the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, just like it sounds, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. And we're here with Dave T. Thomas. We've talked quarterbacks that we're going to watch in the upcoming bowl game so we know who to draft we talked wide receivers let's move to running backs and like you said uh not a lot predicted to go in the first round no saquon barkley's this year who do you like that's gonna go uh, I love Miles Gaskin. I look at that kid. He's a good scat back. Reminds me of Kamara. However, a more physical type of back than I'm looking at moving into day two is Notre Dame kid Dexter Williams. I really like the way that Williams plays. Uh, you know, when I got a 220-pound that runs under four or five, yeah, I'm looking at him. I think that Bryce Love and Karen Higdon hurt themselves by not being in the bowl games here. Uh, uh, Damian Harris, I don't know. Damian Harris, to me, reminds me a lot of Bo Scarborough. So while everybody has him either one or two at running back, I just don't see the element in this guy moving forward. A sleeper I like is a guy that played fullback previously to finally got some tailback duties later on in the year. Another James Conner type, and that's Quadre Olison coming out of Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, one guy that I'm really impressed with that I know is coming out is Iowa State's running back, David Montgomery. This is a big physical type of guy with great speed himself. And then you go look, if you're looking for that little scatback type, another kid that just declared as far Atlantic, Stevin Singletary. Ty Johnson over at... Uh, uh, Maryland, this is a guy that's probably going to be a late round free agent. Day three coming up in round four, I could find myself a very efficient in, uh, between tackles type of runner. Watch the Penn State kid, Miles Sanders. This is another guy that I think could be a high quality value pick for somebody in round four. What about uh, Benny Snell, West Virginia kid? Yeah, you know, Benny, I like a lot. I think Benny could probably go solid in two. He's got good physicality to him. Uh, good, He's good at picking up the blitz and everything. Uh, he's a star on the rise. I think uh, the problem with uh, Durkin taking a lot of time away from Mike Weber at Ohio State, uh, Justin Hill deciding not to play in his bowl game, and you go back and look at Kentucky going up against BC, this is going to be a good game because I want to see what happens with him and Zach Allen, the defensive end. All right, so um, who would be in your top five? You're not a Bryce Love fan. 
Is no, but Bri- Bri- Bryce will go round two. You see, here's my problem is that if I talk to you as a scout or if I talk to you as a draft analyst, my top five are totally different. I mean, if I had to take any running back in this draft right now, honestly, I would have to do a coin toss between Gaskin and Dexter Williams. Oh, I like Dexter Williams. Well, now, of course, uh, if this was 2019 and we were talking, Jonathan Taylor would be my number one pick in a draft. Now, so I asked you about Snell. I'm looking at Walter Football. They've, their top three is Damian Harris, uh, Bryce Love, and then Snell. Well, they're, that's they're, Walter for you, you know. Uh, they do a good job over there. I'm not knocking them, but they're draft analysts. I'm going from the other end where I'm an anti-draft analyst. I don't give a damn what somebody's going to do in April. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in September of 2021. You, you know, my, my concern is who's going to show longevity? Who's going to be there kicking butt for you guys three years down the road? Who's that guy that all of a sudden goes down hurt or ends up on the trading deadline and here comes Nikki Chubb in there. If you listen to me and you took Nikki Chubb back in September, you're looking real good come December. Oh, I did. I did listen and I took him. Um, You've got to understand that one thing, when you're going to draft rookies in fantasy football, look at the long-range prospect. Look at the veteran. Does the veteran have injury issues? Look at the team itself. Is this the type of team that's going to fall by the wayside? Because once you fall by the wayside, that coach wants to see what those youngsters are going to be able to do. All right, so you've got... Just talking talent. Your favorite running backs. You've got uh, Gaskins from Washington. You've got uh, my man Dexter Williams from Notre Dame. Who would you take in? Who uh, who else would you take in the top five besides the, besides those two guys? Well, if uh, if I was drafting, it'd be a different story, Mo. But if I'm turning around and I'm going for my next running back, it has to be the kid from Iowa State, David Montgomery. David Montgomery, uh, okay. And then Benny Snell right behind him. And I really like Justice Hill, but I think Justice Hill really hurt himself by this thing because Justice Hill, to me, is just another Giovanni Bernard. He needed to show what he could have done out there. I like some of the kids coming up. I mean, we're talking about the Ole Miss wide receivers, but the guy that sets up the table for those wide receivers is Scotty Phillips down at Mississippi. This is the guy that I look for in day three, the Miles Sanders types in day three. Actually, if I had to go top five, I'd put Miles Sanders in my top five. I like those big, how could I put it, the thoroughbred types that will take the ball up the middle and hurt a defensive lineman. That's what I'm going to get out of Miles Sanders. And what about uh, the Michigan State kid, Scott? Scott's banged up, so it's all going to come down to an Indy to see if he's going to be ready for training camp. Okay. All right, so Gaskins, Dexter Williams, David Montgomery, Snell Hill, guys to look for. Any sleeper guys to, to keep an eye on? I wouldn't care, call him a sleeper, but I think a good another day three guy that I like a lot, too, is the LSU Tiger, Nick Brosette. I mean, he stepped in for all those running backs that have left that school in the last couple of years, and he's really done well for them. Uh kid that disappointed me this year, but that was Willie Taggart's call uh, down to Florida State was Jacques Patrick. This is a guy I see late-round free agent type that could be another Corey Clement. What about everyone's looking for the next Kamara? Give me a, you got a Kamara clone or two? Yeah, uh, Ty Williams. 
Uh, I look at what he could do out there, and this is a kid that I could get later on in the draft. Bryce Love, they say, could be another uh, uh, Camaro, but I don't think Bryce Love is the type of guy that could get bounce off of the initial tackle. Uh, what's uh, what do you see that other people don't? Everybody seems to really like Love or Love Love. You're a little cold on him. How come? Uh, when I got a running back with a history of ankle problems and his whole deal is his cutting ability, how are you going to cut when you're on one leg? And I think that ankle problem is chronic. Okay. And not right. only that is when I'm looking at a guy at 202 pounds that could only put up the 225 six times. How am I going to see this guy squeezing through that rush lane for me? How am I going to see that guy bouncing off the initial tackle? I don't want to run him back there. Boop, down he goes, you know. That's not my type of guy. Give me a guy that's going to move the chains, a guy that's going to move the pile. Uh, that's what I'm going to get from Dexter. And so it was, let's see, Ty Johnson. He was your Maryland uh, Kamara clone, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He's Well, I would put him uh, across between Kamara and Lindsey because of his kickoff return duties, his ability out of the backfield. But I think that ankle injury this year and then the freshman stepped in and he couldn't get back out on the field. I see him late round, free agent type, but someone's going to get into camp and say, wow, look at this guy. He runs a four two seven. Jeez, maybe I should keep him on my roster a bit. Okay, Ty Johnson from Maryland, and then just to recap again, you got Gaskins from Washington, we got Williams from Notre Dame, and uh, David Montgomery, Snell, and Hill. Yeah, any other I mean, any other cats to mention? Well, I, I like one kid at Youngstown State. I think he's shown up well as Tevin McCaster as a late round free agent. Oh yeah, McCaster. Yep. And there is a bruiser down at Ganning University that I think is another free agent is Marcus Jones. There's some good quality running backs out there, but they're more late day two, early day three types. Yeah, I uh, I wish we had another Barkley coming out. Or Well, I'll tell you right now, folks. Uh, I mean, if I listen to my boy Stump Mitchell over there, if he didn't get hurt before the preseason, uh, that their starting running back with the, the, with the green uniform on would be Elijah McGuire. I think that the next two games will show us what McGuire is all about. But this is a guy that I'm really going to be watching in the next two weeks. Only four. This will be my guy that will be my third running back next year in fantasy and possibly popping up like a Nicky Chubb did this year. Okay. All right. What about uh, tight ends? You gave us Will Disley, who came out of the gates hot last year and, of course, got injured. Um, who do you like this year? Well, I'm looking at the tight ends among the juniors that I like that I know are coming out. Caden Smith uh, from Stanford. I think this kid is a stud. I look at him. He's the second coming of uh, Travis Kelsey. Caleb Wilson of UCLA is more likely to coming out. He's more of a motion tight end type. Uh, Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M will more than likely declare this is the type of guy I look at him out there. He could be another Kyle Rudolph. I think the first tight end off the board will be Alabama is Herb Smith Jr., much like his dad. This is a good quality stud out there. I look over at the seniors that are coming out at the position, and, you know, some of the people are out there screaming about Jr. Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant is probably the biggest bust in this draft. Uh, the, the only seniors tight ends that I like is the kid at Kentucky, C.J. Comrad, and I also like Josh Oliver. I want to see more from Tommy Sweeney from Boston College, but I do think he will make a roster next year. 
Yeah, you said uh, when we were conversing, you said Oliver reminded you of the, the Pitta before Pitta yeah. became injured Pitta. Yeah, you know, the thing that I like about this guy is the way that he could settle into the zone. And the whole thing comes down. My tight end is always my safety valve. That's the guy I want to go through over the middle. I mean, he's caught 80% of his targeted passes this year. I can't ask much more from my tight end. And tell us a little bit more then about the Iowa redshirt sophomore, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, the most complete tight end I've seen probably since, well, uh, since Dallas Clark came out of Iowa. He's a redshirt sophomore, does everything well. He's probably the best blocker out there, a great chain mover type. Uh, could he possibly declare? If he declares, everybody else moves down the rung. If he stays in school, he's a top 10 pick next year. Okay. And Hawkinson, he's the guy that uh, is a pass catcher you think's going to be fantasy relevant, not just a, a good blocker, but. Uh, well, here's the problem. Uh, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. Let's watch the ball game right now with Noah Fant sitting out, who was their yeah. quasi wide receiver type of tight end. Hawkinson's going to get a whole lot more uh, looks from Nate Stanley. I think that when you had two quality tight ends out like at that out there, it takes away from one to the other. And that's what actually came down because I'm on the committee for the Mackey Award. We yeah. had a fight like a son of a gun on Hawkinson because most of the other selectors on there were reading their newspaper clippings and reading on no offense. Who ended up winning the Mackey Award was Hawkinson, and that was because Dallas Clark, another member on there, did his best Perry Mason. Uh, and what did Dallas Clark discover? Oh, Dallas Clark just went down inch by inch of both Font and Hawkinson, and he's still closely associated with that program, and yeah. he changed a lot of people's minds around. It was him, the kid from Missouri, and God bless you, man, if you could pronounce that Nigerian's name from Missouri, <laughs> and Caden Smith were the finalists for the Mackey Award. Finally, after so many years of pass-catching wide receivers disguised as tight ends, we actually had three guys this year that wore the complete tight ends. Yeah, Hawkinson, he uh, had a couple of touchdowns there. Two two games with two TDs. Uh, he looked pretty good for Iowa, and that was not really playing a starter's snaps, right? I mean, he was sharing a lot of time. 70 knockdown blocks, 122 knockdown blocks total, 14 touchdown resultant blocks. He has an 88.98 uh, pass protection grade. As far as a run blocker goes, 90.2 highest in the country. See, that's the thing with fantasy guys. We uh, don't get points for the run blocking. We get points for the catches, the yards, the touchdowns. You think Hawkinson yeah, can still be the man? You know what it is, though, Mo? Knowing that this guy could do that as a blocker, you know this is He's a guy that's going to be out there on the field yep. for all three downs. Yep. You, you're going to see the Nova fans out there in passing situations. You're not going to see them out there in short yardage. And how many times you get down inside the five, and the next thing you know, you go in yep. a jet action sweep, but it's a fake, and all of a sudden, boom, there you are. You go and play action and toss into your tight end in the corner of the end zone. All right. And wait, anyone else to mention? Any other guys we haven't covered that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, well, not as far as fantasy goes, but if you're looking for the best offensive lineman in the planet and he might not go to the second round and I'm predicting he will wear either a big blue or a Kansas City Chief uniform, mm. folks, go back and watch the Penn State game. Go back and look at the Maryland game. The best offensive lineman in the country is one Mr. Connor McGovern out of Penn State. 
And you gave me a huge bowl list of guys to watch in bowl games. Which bowls are you excited about? I mean, you got the Sun Bowl with Whiteside. You got the Liberty Bowl with Drew Locke. What, who are you looking to watch in which bowls uh, get you all the Twitter? Well, I identified the guy that I want to watch out there as far as fantasy goes. You go look at Darrell Henderson from Mississippi. This is one good running back. He just piles up the yards. Anthony Johnson, I mean, Buffalo lives and dies with this guy. We talked about Uswaya at uh, Hawaii. Tyler Johnson, the Minnesota wide receiver. This is the guy to watch in a bowl game. Watch Daniel Jones out there because he could be the next giant uh, quarterback. Uh, uh, Jared Stidham with uh, Auburn. He needs a bounce back against Purdue. And I think Purdue's little quarterback over there, David Blau, is one gutsy little critter. Reminds me a lot of Bob Greasy. Hmm. Hakeem Butler, David Sills, Justice Hansen from Arkansas State. He's probably the best quarterback we haven't talked about. What happens if Oklahoma goes out there and knocks off Alabama? Kyler Murray is going to have that extra incentive in his head. Do I show up to play center field in the minor leagues, or do I go ahead and see where I go in a draft? Kyler Murray, you better go out there and play center field for the A's, because if you end up going NFL over here, I see a Johnny Manziel trade for you. I just don't think you going to cut it in the NFL. Uh, my two Stanford guys up against Pittsburgh, and I like that running back from Pittsburgh, uh, Allison. Uh, the Holiday Bowl, Clayton Thorson, he's coming back from his knee injury last year. He looks effective out there. To me, he looks more like a, a Drew Stanton backup quarterback. Ryan Finley, boy, oh boy, if you talk about any quarterback that stock has dropped in recent weeks, it's this guy. All right, let's talk the big one. Uh, certainly, we've got the Orange Bowl. Everybody's pulling for Bama. What about the Cotton Bowl? Do you see my Irish being able to pull it off over Clemson? No. No? Uh, i just be point blank with you over there. I mean, Notre Dame, they had a good schedule this year. They did what they did. But if anyone's going to knock off Bama, it's going to be Clemson. I just look at that defensive line, and I think that defensive line is the main reason why I think Alabama is going to have fits in a championship game. Mm. Uh, Notre Dame, you went as far as you can. Did Notre Dame belong in the four? Uh, maybe, but I think that Georgia losing so close to Alabama, I yeah. would much rather prefer to see Georgia in there than Oklahoma for the simple reason yeah. is you look at Oklahoma's defense, and that's the reason why I'm saying Lincoln Riley will be on the Cleveland Brown uh, sidelines next year. There is no way in hell that Lincoln Riley could go ahead and rectify the problems that he has on defense at Oklahoma. When you got a team giving up 40 points a game and you got to score 42 to win, that's a problem. Without Kyler Murray there next year, he's not going to have that quarterback uh, a chain of events from Mayfield to Murray to, oops, I don't have anybody. So now I'm looking at Lincoln Riley. If he's smart, he takes that seven, eight million per, and he ends up in Cleveland, Ohio. Speaking of the uh, Georgia game versus Bama, what do you think of that decision? The the fourth and eleven, they're in their own territory, and they ran a fake punt. Well, you, you got to go back and sit at the culture of those two coaches. You got two gambling coaches over there. You're going to see something like that happen. Me, honestly, I look at that game, though, man, and it shows that Alabama's got a couple of holes when that uh, yep. sophomore quarterback's not in there. And, folks, I apologize, but I cannot pronounce any quarterback's name more than 18 syllables. 
We'll forgive you that, Dave. We'll forgive you that. Hey, remember, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. You know, I come from the land of Norm Cosby. If any of the old timers are out there, you know what Norm Cosby did butchering the English language. Well, I've said it before, but uh, if the NFL draft ever gets back to New York, I'm going just to buy you a beer. Do we have any hope of that? Well, if you come out next year, will be the first time I return to the draft because it will be in my favorite city, Vegas. Oh, you're going to go to the draft. Well, you know, I do a lot of work out there with the Golden Knights, so considering they're going to be using our facility, I got the best seat in the house. Okay, because weren't you You were a little bitter for a while, right? Cause oh, you were yeah, doing I, the I, I NFL remain draft bitter. As a matter of fact, every NFL public relations department gets my information, but I don't no longer allow my information on the draft floor. You move out of New York, which is traditional, <laughs> where I show up a day before the draft and people are parking their tents outside of Madison Square Garden. Though, you know, the word draftnik came from that, folks. I mean, if you go back and look at some of the top draft analysts at that time, the Joe Bushbaums, the Marascos, Tommy Hepler and his crowd over at our lads, we all came from the tri-state area. It- Bring us, you know, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here. But uh, you talked about you were, you know, arguing with Dallas Clark uh, for for awards. Bring us inside one of these experiences when you're sitting down with another bunch of uh, draft nicks. Uh, what's that room like? Well, I'm on several committees, you know, the Bolitnikoff, Buckus, uh, Mackey. But the Mackey's probably my favorite. I guess with the name of Dave T, they thought, you know, selecting a tight end was natural for me. <laughs> but I, I enjoy the Mackey Award group more than any of the other group because they're very knowledgeable people. And even the less knowledgeable ones on a selection committee get educated. I'm able to give my spiel. Dallas is able to give his spiel. Uh, you know, other uh, Mackey Award winners that are on the list, even Jerry Mackey himself, everybody's able to get input. And when you have input like that, you're not sitting at home selecting. I mean, case in point, I mean, probably one of the biggest spankings I want to give out there are the All-American selectors. Why? You had Ed Oliver this year. Okay, he is a top-level talent, but he only played in seven games, only had three and a half sacks. If you look at it out there, he had forty. He got knocked down 42 times in seven games, gets in a fight with his coach, and quits on the team. And meanwhile, yeah. he's consensus All-American. Where does right. the WTF come into play? <laughs> right. So it, for the Mackey Award, you sit around and Dallas Clark gives his spiel, you give your thoughts, and then after everyone gives their thoughts, you, you put it to an open vote and you see where you sit? Well, it still comes down to you send your ballots in. What we do is we start with a group of about okay. 50. We whittle that down to 30 in October, seeing what's going on. In November, we meet again. We get down to our eight semifinalists. From those eight semifinalists, we select three finalists, which is in late November, right after Thanksgiving. From there, then we vote one, two, three on the three finalists. The three finalists this year was the kid from Iowa, Caden Smith, and the kid from Missouri. The Missouri kid ended up only playing in eight games that had hurt him, but his eight games were justified enough for being into the vote. Man, I would love to be a fly on the wall and just sit there. Your encyclopedic knowledge just always floors me. I can't even remember my kids' birthdays. 
But, you know, then I'm sitting down there and I'm listening to a Dallas clock telling me about Hawkinson. Even though I seen him out there, I knew that they had fun. So I was figuring that, you know, when you have two Republicans in the party, the Democrat might come in and win the race. But, no, this kid really just jumped up on the board. And Dallas educated everybody there and made everybody go back and look at film just because of his passion speech. That's what I call kudos, and that's why I rely on when I'm sitting down with the selection committees and they have people that ended up playing in the game. They look at the game a little bit different than we do. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, fascinating, man. I want to get you down and just record some of your stories, Dave. Uh, well, you, you know what comes down with that? Uh, by the time we're all done, we're dead. <laughs> oh, I've brought this up to you before. We we need to I do know, a biography. I know. You, know, you, you got to understand one thing. I don't want to be a Mel Kuyper. If you ended up doing a story on me, you'd have to take a picture and I'd have to make my hair look all messy. <laughs> but the knowledge, the stories, this is what I, I know I brought this I up know, to you. I know, but you, you got to understand away. the way I get my paychecks from NFL teams is not by being an idiot like people over at ESPN or wherever. Yeah. My yeah. whole thing is, like I tell you, I, I, I will give them my opinion. I will give them my scouting report, but the main information they want from me is my breakdown of a profile. Mo, when I send them a 300-page report on the guy, I got everything in there but what they and they wipe their butt with. My oh. big thing is breaking down the games. Well, case in point, offensive linemen. Uh, you take Conor McGovern's report, a whole bunch of team acts for that because they were anticipating him coming out. I, when I broke down all of his plays, I'll send you a chart across. I'll show you Conor McGovern's stuff. So next time we talk, we could even get into that. By breaking down all of his film, instead of having that position coach sitting in the film room for maybe three, four, five days going from scratch, he knows exactly what quarter, what frame, what down marker, what place on the football field to watch what Connor McGovern did. It's all broken down for them. If I could send them, save them two days in the film room, that's two more days they get to watch another player before they make their evaluation. Folks, I tell you, if you wanted to see if Dave, if Dave would allow it, some, you know, maybe some old stuff, but stuff you've sent me. I mean, there was quotes from like a guy's junior high teacher, gym teacher, coach. Like it was unbelievable the amount of information in the research you do on some of these guys. I was floored at how in-depth it was. It's, hey, it's you want to know how crazy it was? I remember back in the 80s, or maybe it was the early 90s, Wade Box's mistress actually happened to be the long-lost sister of Randy Grossman, the Pittsburgh uh, uh, Panther defensive end. When I handed him his report, he says, what the hell is this? I says, you didn't know, but that's your sister. They actually met after reading my report. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, on top of it, you know, um, I'm sort of like that uh, TLC show, Long Lost Family. <laughs> well, you should be a, like a private investigator. Well, the same thing, too, like with Conor McGovern over here. My uh, Jim Fink, Sid Gilman, years ago, set me up. We sat down, and we got into our own system on how to grade an offensive lineman. And people, you know, you go out there and look at the stuff going on out there. These offensive linemen don't have a universal grading system. We set up the grading system that's now being used as far as the reports go. When I sat down and sent out Conor McGovern's report and showed that in 1973 with Mike Munchak, where I showed Keith Farrell back in 1979 were the only two Penn State players to score a perfect grade in blocking consistency until Penn State moved McGovern back over to center for the Maryland game. 
like I can just see the intro to the film noir uh, opening with you as the as the investigator. It was a dark night, and only Dave T knew your secrets. Well, the whole thing comes down to is what they joke in the NFL is that when they get my reports, they know they got everything but what hand they wipe their butt with. Indeed. That they follow, uh, they find when they get those guys to the combines. There's, there's a certain region where I give a guy a little bit of privacy. <laughs> it's fascinating stuff. I, I love getting your stuff, and uh, I love chatting with you, and uh, let's look to do this around draft time, shall we? Uh, I think maybe we should do this before the combine because I'm going to come perfect. out with a whole bunch of sleepers for your readers over there. They're going to get them salivating as they lead up to their, their own little fantasy football drafting. I love the combine sitting down and watching. So, yeah, I would love to talk to you before combine time so we know who to watch just as we went through who to watch for the bowl games. So uh, well, thank you well, very well. much. Well, when I start talking about a Nate Adderley from Delaware and an Easton Stick from North Carolina, uh, North Dakota State, or Jordan Brown from South Dakota State in February, and then you see where they go in the draft in April, you'll know why. Dave T., one of my favorites. Always so good to talk to you. Thanks so much for, for making the time for us today, Dave. Anytime, Mo. All right, guys. That was Dave T. Thomas once again publisher of the NFL Draft Report. You can also hear him on the Scouts Honor Podcast with Paul Crane, uh, NFL Scout Talent Evaluator for over 50 years, a font of knowledge, one of my favorites, Dave T. Thomas. This has been the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 70. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. And we're going to return to Cake Shirt, skirt, and a long jacket from the Comfort Eagle album. We will catch you on the flip side. Stays.